Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Highside News podcast. I'm your host, Luke Newman, and once again, I'm joined by MotoGP esports rider, Jack Hammersley. Jack, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. Good, good. I'm also joined by Short Shift News owner, Dawn Hammersley. How are you doing, Dawn? Fine, thank you. Cool, cool. Well, World Superbikes is back. Uh, it, it was great to see it back. Motorbike racing back on the screens for 2023. It's a perfect start to the year as well for certain manufacturers and certain riders. Dawn, what did you think of World Superbikes returning? Did it live up to the hype? Yeah, yeah I think it even more so. Three very enjoyable races that didn't disappoint. Jack, what did you think of the, the opener at Phillip Island? Yeah, it was good. You know, it was all action-packed as expected. First race. I felt a bit sorry for in the first race for all like the new fans say, who... Like the GP fans who have moved over for Gardner and Nagata or Petrucci or something like that, and the, the first race was a bit was wet. But you know they, they they finally saw what all the hype was about on Sunday. It was a bit of a shame there wasn't a battle uh, for first place, but the battle for fourth was chaotic. You know, none of and none of them had a chance to breathe. I think at any moment, so uh, it was great for us to watch. I think we go uh, straight in with. The hectic race one that, uh, you know, we said I said last week that it, I was being, you know, shown on the weather that it would be dry, and it, it was the opposite. It was a a very wet race for uh, Phillip Island, typical Phillip Island, throwing in a, a curveball for the start of the season. Uh, well, where do we start? I guess we start with uh, Alvaro Bautista, which I think is going to be a theme for for most of this episode, <laughs> talking about the Ducati yeah. man once again. A race winner in World Superbikes started his his year off strong. Uh, beat Jonathan Ray by three point four seconds, but Jack Jonathan Ray had had issues. Uh, would you like to explain what we've been sort of told and what the, the we know so far about Jonathan Ray's problems? Yeah, so he took the lead really early on, and then he had about a one and a half second lead and was managing it. And then uh, it was James Toes on the Eurosport first noticed that. As he was on the straight, his hand was all of a sudden closing and opening again, which seems to be a um, quick shifter issue. So he was he basically went back 20, 30 years in terms of riding style. So it meant he... I don't know how much time he would have been losing in the wet, but it, it, it basically gave Alvaro the chance to uh, close up on him. But it seemed like, even with Bautista, I think it's the first ever time he's won a wet race, but it's... It really shocked me how he just took the lead and cleared. I mean, he had that one moment where he nearly fell off when they had the rear sliding, but it just... The fact he's won a wet race, it really... I think it's a real message that him and that Ducati are such a perfect bond that even in the wet, which he's, I don't think he's ever even been on a podium before in the wet. I'm not sure about that, but it's, I'm sure I'm certain he's never won in like world championship level. It's just quite scary. I felt so a bit sorry for Ray because you know he, he, it it was probably his best chance to win, and unfortunately due to a bike malfunction, his chances were limited. But yeah, I, I, I still have a feeling Bautista just with how he is on the tyres and how he was in that race in general, would have won anyway. So yeah, it's quite scary. Well, Don, what uh, what do you think about what Jack said with the the perfect bond between Bautista and Ducati? Oh, yes, I definitely agree. And like you say, the fact that he's won a wet race and they were tricky conditions, it just proves that the battle everybody else has got to beat him this year, definitely. 
Yeah, you you both said it there pretty well. I think this year it's going to be, if Bautista keeps his form going that he's had so far, it'll be a battle for second. Yeah. Maybe third, depending if certain riders can uh, sort themselves out a little bit after this first weekend and sort of certain manufacturers. But it looks like Ducati and Bautista have definitely hit the ground running once again. And it's something scary to see. But rounding out the podium in that race, top rack, started on pole. A little bit quiet from top rack in uh in the first race. He definitely was all on his own, three seconds behind Ray, and then a, a whole ten seconds ahead of his teammate Locatelli in race one. So, Jack, what do you think of top rack's start to the weekend in race one? Uh, well, I think it was the best it could be. He's not a wet weather rider, apart from in uh, Catalonia in twenty twenty one. His weather performances have been subpar, so to get third place, I think that's all the best result he could have hoped for, unless one of the two in front crashed. So I think he just had to come away and go, Yeah, that's good, got a podium. Started sort of like sort of the same start as last season, but it's not like a, a big worry. So I think for top rack, third place in the wet is a decent result for him. Yeah. Having to say, looking down the, the, the results as well, there are definitely some riders that stood out more than others for where they'd come compared to where they qualified. One being Axel Bassani. I thought personally he had an amazing race one. Started in 14th, finished in 5th. It's just showing how much Axel's developing and how much a threat he could be to some of the riders in factory seats. If uh, Axel keeps impressing, then I could see him moving on for the future. Dawn, what did you make of uh, of Bassani this weekend as a whole? Yes, definitely really good ride. And like you say, he's definitely looking to up his ride for next year. And if he keeps on doing what he's doing, I think uh, he'll get it, definitely. Yeah, as well as uh, Bassani, you have the, the Honda riders, which uh, did well in, in race one. Lequona came from 11th to 8th. And uh, where is he? Javi Vierge came from 17th to finish 12th, which... Wasn't okay as good as his teammate, but once again the Hondas slowly making their way forward. Uh, but BMW, once again they they haven't made the uh, the start to the year that they would want. Jack, would you like to touch upon BMW start to twenty twenty three? Well, it, in the, on lap one and two, it's looking like okay because Vandermark. We're going to see maybe we see the Portimao victory of Vandermark come into fruition and maybe he could get a top five maybe even a podium but unfortunately that all crashed uh, on lap two at the hay shed when moving into about eighth place but uh, you know it's like oh scott redding you know we and baz they are very well-known wet weather riders and scott got up to seventh at one point but then just whether it's the tire or what just slipped to ninth um it's, it's a real head scratcher for them i don't and like I said last week, I don't know what the answer is. Even in the dry, in the dry, they were subpar. Vandermark is the clear best rider so far, and you know he's, he's had a year out, so it's, that shouldn't really be happening. It should be Scott, but it's it's a real head scratcher. Just I, I I have no answers really for their performances. Uh, just looking down the list. Loris Baz finished a lap down in a race one. Did he? Did he crash in for that race? I can't remember off the top of my head. Or if the BMW was just that non-competitive in the wet, which 
I always think Baz would be a good wet weather rider. Yeah, I was, I was expecting Baz to do a lot better in that race with it being wet. Yeah, stone last for Baz. Um, Gerloff in 10th and Reading in 9th. And as Jack mentioned, Vandermark uh, crashing out of, of race one. But really race one set up for a, the rest of the weekend, which really followed suit when you look towards the front runners. Uh, Alvaro Bautista once again came through and uh, during the Super Bowl race, smoked them all again is, is really the, the only way you could put it. But this time he was joined by teammate Michael Ruman Rinaldi, who really in the Super Bowl race and in race two in the dry conditions really came through and was showing to, I guess, the team and all the fans that he's here to also fight this year, maybe yeah. not for the title but definitely for top three positions in the championship to join the Titanic trio at the front. And uh, Jack, Rinaldi, what did you think of uh, of him this weekend? He looked he looked on fire, not well, as quick as his teammate, but definitely there. Well, in the dry, you know, he was the second best rider. That's pretty simple. He, he couldn't quite match Bautista, but no one could. So, and he was the second best. However, the wet, weather performance I believe he was the worst Ducati so that's something he needs to work on whether that's just simply do track days when it's raining he just rattled practice what we're riding or something but that's the main area he needs to focus on whether that's just understanding the bike better or understanding himself that's just the one area he lacks at the moment um, but solid performance in the dry there was I've caught there was a few laps in the Super Bowl race where he was maybe closing in or matching Bautista's pace until the very end. So I think we'll know more after this weekend in the, the Assen if Rinaldi has made a step or whether well, it was just that the Cassis were that fast at Phillip Island. But uh, it's a best start possible for him, I think. Yeah, like Jack mentioned, with uh, the Ducatis at Phillip Island, they were all there. They were all in the fight. Bautista, Rinaldi, Ertel, uh, Bassani, they were all up there and uh, fighting hard with the other manufacturers. Moving on to a different manufacturer, we've got Kawasaki. Uh, Lowe's had a, a, a poor race one, crashed out in a in a decent position. And then in the Super Bowl race, he turned things around, finished fourth place. And ahead of his teammate, Jonathan Ray. Dawn, what did you think of... Uh, Kawasaki in the sprint race as a whole with Ray losing out to, to Lowe's. Yeah, I suppose that was a bit of a shock, really. I mean, Ray got shoved out by uh, Dominic Agata earlier on and he just never managed to make any positions up, which I find really strange that he, he couldn't get any higher. And like Alex Lowe's, he's, he's always strong if he can get the lock and if he can stay on the machinery. Yeah, with uh, Jonathan Ray, you've seen in the past at Phillip Island before he uh, he goes on a charge when uh, he gets put out wide. Obviously, at Phillip Island before he has crashed then at the hay shed with uh, yeah. the red mist coming down on him. So I don't know if maybe a bit hesitant at the start of the year, maybe just thinking, you know, take what you can from uh, from the race from the hand the the hand that he'd been dealt after uh, I think it was at the Miller hairpin that Agatha got underneath him yeah. and pushed him out wide, but. Uh, yeah, Lowe's did look stronger in the sprint. But then you look down other riders from the sprint race, and it was obviously top nine, only scored points in the sprint race, which I forgot about at first. And uh, 
was mm-hmm. thinking the top 15 were going to get it in the sprint race. But Bassani again in the points, Lequona in the points again. But yeah, Philip Ertel, Jack on the Ducati side of things again. Strong weekend all round for, for Ertel and the, the Go 11 team. Yeah, he's made a he's made the the natural step you'd expect. Decent first, uh, decent rookie season. You know, he didn't do any standout rides, but you know he'd get a couple top eights here and there. And then it seems like this season something's clicked. We know that team's good. They've brought podiums with Charles Davies. They've won with Marco Rubin Rinaldi. So they know how to build the bike and set it up right. And it just seems he he just made the best of the situation and I think it's clear to see that the best satellite teams uh, are the ones under Ducati's followed by the Yamahas and it's it's quite clear that Kawasaki in terms of satellite teams are very far behind when you look at where the other Kawasaki's were that weren't the KRT team so yeah it's it's a it's great great uh, performance for Philip Ertel I think that's his first ever top five at least dry top five in Superbike so yeah, he'll be looking to keep going up the order and try and get his first podium sooner or later. Yeah, and then uh, obviously you said about the Ducati's going well. Bautista was, I don't know about you guys, but a standout rider for me once again, winning by 2.4 seconds over just 10 laps. So that was, again, a worrying sight for the, the competition. But there were also some underwhelming rides, and uh, one that I wanted to get your, your guys' opinion on was uh, the Gardner and Agatha crash. Obviously, there's been since from from Dominic saying it's all water under the bridge now. They've put that aside and they're going to move on for the rest of the season. But Dawn, start of, start of the season, both rookies and Gardner's move into the Miller hairpin, taking out Agatha. What was your reaction at the time? Because they were both running inside the top 10, challenging yeah. to the top five. It's just very, very unfortunate. And then you just can't believe that you do that to your teammate. Well, it, it is good to see that they're both uh, okay about it now. And obviously, Remy got the long lap penalty for race two, and he took that. I don't think there was any uh, discussions about that. So I think they handled it very well. It was just very unfortunate. Two hungry rookies, and just one got in the way, I suppose. Jack, what, uh, what did you make of the, the Gardner Agatha collision? Yeah. yeah, I think it was just uh, the problem was that it was the first dry race they had so it's the first time they were in that kind of situation I think just that little lack of experience and being at the pace they were it, and how and now it's sort of corner profile and everything it just sort of sometimes lends lends itself into that kind of situation and Fulton Remy just outbroke himself that little bit and that's all it took to take himself and dummy out but I think the pair of them will look at the results and go wow we were in the fight for the podium in our first ever race so no, for those two, I think they are the best satellite team as a package. So, you know, so I think if the pair of them can keep their mentalities high and morale high, you know, not this won't phase them. They'll still work together quite well, and I think um, the GRT squad could be the the best independent team come the end of the season. Yeah, I think one thing that made it potentially a little bit worse for the team was the fact that like Jack said you look at where people were separated in the pack that they were fighting in and a podium was on the cards for one of them top rack was eight tenths ahead of Lowe's who was in fourth and Gardner and Agatha were both fighting within that pack so to lose out in 
Jack's had their first dry race in those sort of in that sort of way with your teammate is it's not a great way to to start the year in a way, but they moved on. They've they then came back in race two and Gardner took the the long lap and they were both strong again with Agatha in seventh and Gardner in tenth. Dawn, what did you make of the GRT team's rookie weekend, I suppose, with those two riders? Yeah, they should be very proud of themselves and not forgetting that Agatha actually qualified in third place in uh, qualifying. So that's just setting the standard, really, I think, for the other rookies, that they're the ones that, you know, they're going to have to be beaten. Yeah, Jack, we've spoke about some standout rookies there. And there's another rookie that I sort of think went under the radar and almost got forgotten a bit over the weekend was Danilo Petrucci with his performances this weekend. He got a... uh, he got uh, an eighth place in race one and then just outside of the points in 11th in the sprint race. And then for race two, got another ninth position. What would you think of Danilo's start to life in World Superbikes, Jack? Well, I think he, in the first race, it was really unfortunate that the, he got the one place penalty at the end for the contact with mm-hmm. Vieja, despite the fact mm-hmm. that both riders were fine with it. Um. I think it's fair to say in the race two, he got a very good taste of what Multiplex is like, especially from Domi Agata into MG, because I think three or four times he got um, sat up into that corner by Domi. And Domi seems to be doing that with everyone, just sending up the inside without caring in the world what happens to the other person <laughs> as long as they stay on. So but I think you sort of expect a little bit more from Petrucci because he, he has the track knowledge of Philip Ireland and all this stuff, but I think ultimately because the, the other guys they probably do have more experience on Pirelli tyres that was probably the main difference and also I think Petrucci's gained some ergonomic changes uh, when they get back to Europe with like seat height adjustments and that kind of stuff so hopefully when that all gets fixed he'll be higher up the higher up the order than what he was this weekend but you know top 10 two top 10 finishes solid performance just unfor- it's just unfortunate you had the likes of uh, Domi there to uh, sort of make it a bit worse for him but still he should be happy with where he's finished yeah it's like you've just said we said previously about Domi he's you know, front row in his his first ever weekend in world superbikes fighting for the podium and fighting for top fives and he's really shown up and has been a rider that you can tell isn't just there to make up the numbers in his rookie season I, I wouldn't be surprised if Domi gets a, a few podiums this season and really comes on into 2024 as a front runner in World Superbikes. Yeah, definitely. The uh, the Yamaha team throughout the well, the Yamaha bikes throughout the weekend had a had a good showing with Locatelli. I he said and called it his best weekend in World Superbikes, and I think I have to agree with Locatelli. With outside of Bautista, he was one of the the standout riders from. From this weekend for a fourth a fifth and a third place finish which really when you think of uh, Locatelli he's sort of forgotten behind top rack because of how talented and incredible top rack is as a rider but Dawn it showed us this weekend that Locatelli you know he's still got that that drive and the uh the talent that he showed in world Supersport in his title winning year Yes, definitely. And definitely his best round ever in the championship. But there, yet again, he's fighting for his seat because you've got the likes of Agatha, Remy, you know, will they be uh, 
after his ride for next year. So like Rinaldi, I think Locatelli, he's really got to prove himself this year and he's had a great start to the 2023 season. I think moving on from Locatelli, it's right to look at his teammates' uh, time in the, the sprint and race two. Uh, another podium for top rack in the sprint race. And then race two, a collision with uh, Alex Lowe's. Totally not top rack's fault. Uh, neither of them were going for an overtake, really. Top rack was just on the outside and happened to be unfortunately clipped by Alex Lowe's crashing out of yet again another full race distance uh, race. Jack, what did you think of the Lowe's? top rack collision and Lowe's is crashing again in race one and race two. Yeah. Um, well, sort of race one, Lowe's, I think just, we saw Bautista nearly fall on the rear. We saw loads of people having big moments in the rear end. So it's not that surprising that one of them in the top five was to fall victim to it. Unfortunately, it happened to be Lowe's. And then in the race two, we've sort we've heard in testing how people were struggling into turn four and crashing. So it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's, as I said before, it's a corner that lends itself to a crash. So unfortunately, just when you're in that moment and you maybe squeeze the brake a little bit too much, front goes and top rack, unfortunately, just chose the wrong side to be on and got wiped out as well. But I think this was, this is the first race since they've been teammates where Locatelli seemed to be the stronger one of the two. And it's really, really it's really strange to see. So... Um, I think, and it was really weird, like, you know, when Toprak and Ray both got to the front of the of the group, it was like, oh, yeah, now they're going to close in Locatelli and we'll make it about for the podium, but Locatelli just kept drifting away and kept going further away, so it's, um, it was a bit of a strange one in terms of the fact that Ray and Toprak couldn't catch Locatelli, and mm-hmm. Locatelli was the only one who could beat, who could be a, a non-Ducati in the top five, so... Yeah, I don't know what happened. Andrea's done over the winter, but he's made some kind of switch. I think yeah, top we, rack he'll just be wanting to get things back on back to normal. Let's say it, um, Mandalika. And- Something one of the commentators did say about top rack that the earthquakes in Turkey have really, really affected him. So to me, it could be that top rack quite wasn't in a good place for round one. Yeah, top rack. Uh- had been helping out in uh, in Turkey. Him and Keenan yeah. had been been out there helping out with uh, the earthquakes that had, that had happened in Turkey and lending the support where they could. And to leave that situation and go to Phillip Island uh, at all, obviously he'd have to contractually, but it it must have been a lot on his mind. And Top Rack does seem like a rider that could just switch off the outside world and just focus on what's going on around him at Phillip Island, but there's probably still a part of him that was thinking of home and yeah, was thinking definitely. of the people that were affected and yeah. maybe that was the reason for for his not poor performance but perhaps being outperformed by Locatelli for the first time in World Superbikes. Jonathan Ray as well, when you look down the order for race two an eighth place position again, I believe he got nerfed out wide at the Miller hairpin by, I can't remember who, most likely Domi again. He was doing it for everyone, <laughs> it seemed. Yeah. But, again, it was just a a race that Jonathan didn't seem to be able to get back into after being pushed wide a couple of times. And Lowe's was ahead of him again, I believe, before he crashed out. So, 
Dawn, what do you think of, of Ray if Lowe's stayed on the bike, potentially being outperformed by uh, by Lowe's this weekend? Yeah, and that's definitely what Ray isn't used to. To me, he looked quite stressed. So whether there's just something with the bike he's just not happy with, he hasn't got that full package he's normally got underneath him. But uh, it'll be interesting to see round two, just to see what he's like. But he did look, to me, a little bit stressed. Jack, what did you make of uh, Jonathan Ray's weekend? Uh, well, it started well in the West. Super Paul racing got help when he got forced out and he just couldn't... Like, he couldn't make inroads, really, on the group. And race two, he, he got to the front of the group, it's like... And he, he said, he said he's like, right, Locatelli's in front. He's the guy I'm, He's the, he's the guy to beat. He's the person I know I can beat. And Locatelli just drifted away from him. And then I think he went, oh, no. And then all of a sudden, he had no grip. And he was just... It seemed, the Kawasaki seemed to be the fastest on the straight in terms of against the Yamahas. But he kept getting forced out by Ertel, forced out by Wasani, forced out by Lacrona. And then I'd, I'd, I wish I saw the move because I know Domi definitely did like some kind of send into MG. But he got done on the last lap by Yagata and he came eighth. And I think it's sort of like there's him and Perariba are going to have a probably spent Sunday and Monday having a big look at the data, trying to understand what went wrong, why the performance was so much worse in 2022 and try and quickly understand what they could possibly fix for Mandalika and then try and get the ball rolling to try and get their first one of the season. Dawn, do we think the thing with Jonathan Ray being pushed out wide by the younger riders could be a case of it is this new generation coming through and they know that there could be factory seats available at the end of this season for 2024 and are just going to fight all seasons and be a nuisance for experienced riders like Jonathan Ray and keep roughing them up like they haven't done before now that they have that one year of experience under their belts. Yes, definitely. They're hungry. And like I say, there's them rides, them factory rides waiting. They just want to fill them up. I'm sure they must think you've had your time now, so it's our turn. But I think they'll get in the mix all season. Yeah, Jack, do you uh, do you agree that these younger riders now will potentially become a a pain towards Jonathan Ray and Kawasaki, who don't seem to have really hit the ground running so far this season? If if uh, Ray can't find the, the right settings or whatever, there's no reason why not. But so if if we get like a a Ray that we we've seen for the past eight years, I don't think. Maybe on the opening laps it'd be possible, but over a race, no. But I think the 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 time we've got to wait to see where, where that Kawasaki is is Assen. If he if Jonathan Ray is not in a fight for a win at Assen, you know something's not good. So, but it could just be you know with them being so poor that could work out in their favour because then that might allow them to get those five hundred revs they've been asking for for quite a long time. So. It, it might be a struggle now, but maybe in the long run it could work out if they can just get those few revs that they need. Yeah, well, another Kawasaki rider and one of Jonathan Ray's former teammates, Tom Sykes. He uh, he returned to, to World Superbikes this weekend with the uh, Pachetti Kawasaki team and um, wasn't a great start to back in World Superbikes for Tom. Um there were some high hopes, well, not not podium hopes, but there were at least 
you'd expect Tom Sykes to be in the points. He is a, a former world champion and is still a very talented rider, like he showed at, at BSB at times on the, the Paul Bird Ducati. But race one didn't finish. The Super Pole race again had issues, but finished the race in 20th, three laps down. And then again in race two, had issues again, pulled into the pits, came back out, and then crashed out. Dawn, what what did you make of, of Tom Sykes' poor return to, to World Superbikes by potentially none of his own fault? Yeah, it was just awful. That must be so demoralising for him because, you know, like you'd expect him to at least be approaching the top 10, especially in the wet race as well. But to, yeah, I just couldn't believe it the first time, OK, he's pulling the pits, but then the, in the Super Pole race and then in race two and then the next thing, a cold tyre issue, I think, probably caused him to crash in race two. Definitely not the start he wanted. Knowing Tom, though, I think he'll pick himself up, ready for round two. But it's just obviously there must be some issues with the bike, having to pull in so often. I believe, I don't know, and I think from what I read, it may have been gear selector issues, a bit like uh, what Jonathan Ray sort of was having in race one, but a little bit different. Jack, do you know any more about Sykes' issues? No, I can only know what toes and selling Eurosport, which was... Just gear selection issues, so yeah, so, well, it... something. If he, you'd expect him to fix it by by race two, but if it must be just some very niggly issue that must be rise to the bottom end of the bike, that's the hardest part to get to. It's anything you can think of, but you'd think they've had a good look at it overnight. Uh, if they pile and then will triple, quadruple check everything um, before free practice. So hopefully Tom can have a smooth weekend and just. Try and I think this weekend it should be try and get points because it seems like he's still he's he's still trying to find he said there's still problems with the bike that he's having and he's having to compensate so it's sort of like the, it's it's the same words he was using when he was riding the Ducati so maybe he's just waiting for that bike to sort of mould into his own again and then hopefully that's when we can start seeing him back inside the top ten. Do we believe that the Pachetti Kawasaki and the team can produce a, a bike that will be able to drag Sykes up towards the, the top 10 dawn. You'd like to think so, but you can't, I suppose you can't take too much from a round one. We put a lot into it. And so I think after you know round two, we'll have to see, and fingers crossed for Tom, you can get a better result and at least finish all three races. I think we mentioned that last week and the major place where we will see the true Tom Sykes and how good that bike is, is at Donington Park. Donington, yes. But then that might be a case of too little, too late, Jack, too for late. Donington Park? It's round six, so possibly. Yep. But if, it, if it's that point, if the team might just go, right, you need, if you don't do well at Donington, you're out, then you know, that'll probably be the right test to see. But... Pichetti have made they've made a race winning bike before in Toprak, but that might be because Toprak was a Kawasaki factory rider at the end of the day, and Tom is a Pichetti rider, so that might be maybe just because Toprak had that Kawasaki factory support, he that's why the bike was better than it is now. But we'll just have to see. We know Tom and we know Ray is the man who's developed that bike for ages, especially the new model it is. And Tom and Ray don't get on in terms of how they want a bike developed. So that is probably going to be against him as well. 
But um, hopefully, just you just hope they give him time to understand the bike, and they can understand him and try and mold the bike around him. And essentially, all you've got to do is make a bike that can stop well and accelerate well, and Tom's sorted. So, just got to hope that they can solve all the problems as soon as possible, and we can see Tom back in top in the top ten. But you summed that up pretty well now with Tom Sykes and the Pachetti team. Do uh, either of you have any other riders you want to address from the Superbike class before we move over to, to Supersport? Anyone else that stood out to you or potentially you thought underperformed throughout this weekend? I thought Hunter's Vierge had a very quiet round compared to his teammate Lacrona. Yeah. Yeah, Vierge didn't really show much. Had a good yeah. result in race one outside the points in uh, the sprint and then race two inside the points again got given a one place penalty in uh, race two that I can't now quite remember what that was for. Jack, have you got? It was trap limits maybe. Uh, can't remember where that was or I believe it came they in did, late on into the race. Yeah, they, just, but... they showed it right at the end and no one knew, <laughs> no one seen with the cameras. So maybe, maybe they just wanted to give Pachucci back. The point that yeah. he got taken off maybe <laughs> one each <laughs> yeah just settling Even the out. Between those two. <laughs> jack is there uh anyone else you thought this weekend was underwhelming or potentially overperformed from what you expected uh, i think the crone will be a bit annoyed at himself because he topped fp3 and the lap time he did an fp3 probably been enough to do the second or third row and he qualified in the fourth row so I think he'll just be a little bit annoyed at himself. The fact he's cost he cost himself potentially a good chance in the wet and a good chance at the Super Pole race. But apart from that, I think there was no proper standouts for good or bad. So I think we've gone through everything in in that aspect. Fair enough. Let's uh, move on to Super Sport. And uh, once again, uh, your predictions were uh, both correct for the Super Sport <laughs> with uh, Nicolo Bouliger coming out on top in uh, both Super Sport races. Race one was, uh, again, more hectic with rain falling literally as the riders were pulling up onto the grid and they were all on slick tyres. Um, Jack, want to tell us a, a little bit more about race one, what you thought of it? Um, just, just chaos. The first the first start was like, they were going to turn one and you had about 10 leaders and all these people from the back of the grid were joining to the front, all the guys at the front were going to the back and constant change of leaders and the rain was coming and it was going and coming and going and it eventually it, it just turned into onto leading with Van Strahlen and McPhee. It seems to be a bit fee at the front, it's like what what is going on? Like where <laughs> excuse me, where's this come from? So Yeah, and then obviously the 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 unfortunately Huertas and Montella went down together. That caused the red flag, and then they went for a restart. Then it rained so heavy that they had to cancel the restart and then do another restart on wet tyres. And then Belega went from virtually last to first in four corners. And yeah, it was just a. Yeah, Taz doing really well. McPhee doing really well. Manzi feeling the, 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 the fate of choosing an intermediate tyre. He was flying up the order, and then all of a sudden it started raining again. He dropped back again. It was, it was a. It was a chaotic race and very entertaining for the first race of the of the championship. So I think it lived up to expectations. 
yeah, another bit of a uh, chaos you missed out there with the uh, Onchu oh, yeah, yeah. on, uh, on the warm up lap. Onchu uh, hitting a deck out of uh, Miller hairpin, and then uh, it had to be potentially the rider he's closest to on that grid. Safoglu <laughs> on the MV then went and hit Onchu's Kawasaki, and that was uh, Onchu out of the race and uh, Safoglu out as well. But Jack touched on it briefly there as well. John McPhee and Taron McKenzie, I think we can uh, all agree that we're very happy to see them both very far up the order, a lot further up than potentially we were expecting, especially for Taron with the uh, MIE Honda Supersport team running pretty much stock engines. And they might as well have been a, a stock 600 bike. And um, But Taron McKenzie, top five, fifth place in the wet, really showing that he is deserves to be there and deserves to be on a top super sport bike dawn do you do you agree yes definitely he does such a strong performance and you still don't know if he's 100 percent fit as well but he was giving it his all and it was it was really good to see and from i was pleased for mcphee as well definitely and like harry true love he's finished 11th didn't he so yeah such a good race for the brits yeah, yeah john mcphee up on the podium again another result that we all said last week there's a John McPhee season really we didn't really know where it was going to go and Philip Island still hasn't given me any solid idea of how I think John McPhee's going to get no. on for the rest <laughs> of the season where no. it's such a, a, a weird and wacky track but a podium to start his life in super sport Jack must have been a pretty much a dream start for John from where he'd been all weekend before that. Yeah, I mean, if we saw in the dry, he wasn't as strong. But he still got points, so that's good on him. But in the in the wet, it's all just like it, it all just happens. It's all like you know, just like a slap to the face. It's like whoa, okay. And but yeah, it was like it's not surprising because how how we know how good he was in the motor three in the wet, and he's British, so naturally expected to be good in these kind of conditions. But yeah, I think it was just um, it's. He showed his talent, so that's that's good. Same with Taz. So, we just, forward to we at the moment we still don't know where he actually lies, but definitely one one thing I'm understanding is he's better in a race than qualifying, which we saw in Moto Three as well. So, we've seen the same trends in Moto Three and like blending into Super Sport, but it's just, we just don't know where his actual level is compared to the other guys. So we've got to we have to wait a few more rounds to finally understand when he is fully understood he's fully understood the package where he and that team lie but, um he's showing to be uh he will be in the top 10 consistently at some point in the season yeah i think it's worth uh saying it now john mcphee is is fifth in the world super sport standings currently obviously that uh probably will and most likely will change but uh john mcphee fifth and taron mckenzie also up in in the top 10 in the championship which I don't think any of us could have predicted before uh, before this weekend going into it with how poor it looked for the the MIE Honda Supersport squad. But uh, Dawn looking towards the the front now. Bulaga, both races, almost uh, Bautista esque. Would you would you say? Yes, definitely. And he he's just seems so much more confident, happy on the bike. And his celebrations after you just know what it meant to him. But he worked hard for it, but definitely, I think uh, he's going to be the one to beat this year, definitely. 
I was going to ask Jack if you agreed with the the one for beat, but I already know that you uh <laughs> you think Bulaga is going to be the uh, <laughs> going to be the the champion of of Super Sport. So uh, I'll ask you, what did you think of uh, of my pick for the title, uh, Manzi, and his uh debut weekend in Super Sport with Tankata? Well, Manzi, he he should be strong. He got pole position during um, that Tankata, of course. Again, made a good bike like they did with Agata. And um, unfortunately, just the, the choice of intermediate tyre, I think uh, that just cost him the chance of getting a podium in race one. But race two, he did a very mature race. He sat behind Antrim and um, Niccolo just waited his moment to pounce, passed, him, passed a pair of them, we in about two laps. Then he dropped back to second, and then we seemed like we're going to have a last five lap maybe dash, but uh, even though the gap was growing a little bit. And then the. I want to try and get the full name of this bird that came out of the track. The Cape Baron Geese. They, they ruined the three-way fight for the <laughs> for the win. But, uh, yeah, Manzi, second place. Uh, great start to um, his time at Tenkarte. And Tenkarte, probably the best uh, team in Supersport history, apart from... Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm thinking Tenkarte Honda, then, but the same thing, aren't they? So, yeah, probably they're the best t- team historically in that championship. So, um, he's 20 points behind uh, Bulaga, so we're going to have to just see what happens. But um, it's a strong start for him. Yeah, I think you could really see there was almost, especially in the dry, the uh, Titanic trio was almost appearing in a super sport as well with Aruba Ducati's. Bulaga, Tenkata, Yamaha's Manzi, and Pachetti Kawasaki's Onchu, being very similar to Jonathan Ray with Kawasaki and Superbike, mm-hmm. uh, Top Rack with Yamaha and Superbike, and also the championship leader Bautista, with Ducati really pulling out all the stops, and uh, they lead both championships going into to Indonesia this weekend, and uh, it's hard to look at anyone else really for, for this weekend coming up with how strong both Bulaga and Bautista looked, isn't it, Don? Definitely, yeah. My prediction, I think, for next week will be Ducati again. Both the world and the super sport, definitely. I think we've just got to look back who's going to perhaps come second and third, haven't we? (laughs) Would we all say it's a... It could be a... You know, Ducati may have produced almost a a perfect bike for super sport and super bike this season. It doesn't look... Yeah, we'll see at some other tracks like potentially uh, Mandalika, but it doesn't look like it has many downsides at all when you look at it around a track like Phillip Island, which is very strange. Definitely. 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 Yeah, I mean, Ducati, uh, uh, JT again, he's, he's bringing all these um, useful information here, but uh, Ducati have been given a, a part they weren't allowed last year. I can't remember what the part is, but Kawasaki being given like a quick shifter or something to know onto is no longer having to use a clutch when braking. So they, I think that's the reason why they, Kawasaki and Ducati has made some form of step to be able to compete with the Yamahas now. And, um, <clears throat> God. But yeah, uh, I think mean, I think the only difference is Belega's just made that mental switch. So, yeah, I think Ducati may have made one of the best packages overall over all classes ever seen. So sorry, I cut you off there. Did you have any more to uh, to add about Bulaga and uh, Bautista going forward this season with their, their Ducatis looking strong? 
No, no, just I just think they're going to be the ones that they've got to beat. I think it's uh, they're definitely now the the bookies' favourites and uh, potentially our favourites to uh, to to win both championships. I did put out on our social media on Instagram a uh, a poll for for people to uh, vote who they think would uh, would win the Superbike and Supersport Championship, and they all agreed that Bautista would be champion again and. Bulliger was also the the winner in the Supersport poll that he would take over that championship, and uh, you know we might see him in Superbikes next year if things keep going as well as they are for him. And uh, yeah, but Ducati as well showed up in Supersport with other riders, the likes of De Rosa and Bayless showed up with a top ten in race two, but his race one was poor, and he was almost. Again, bad luck, I think, in race two, setting back from what could have been a better result in the 10th with uh, Federico Caracasulo breaking down. We didn't see the whole thing, but what looked like to be almost directly in front of Bayless and uh, could have cost him a, a potential top six finish. And uh, I was quite sad to see that. Jack, what did, what did you think of uh, uh, Bayless's weekend at Phillip yeah, Island? Race one... Um... He was looking really good. Like the start, he was leading for, for a little bit. But unfortunately, in the actual r- race, he chose the slick tyres. So that's why he did so poor. In race two, even though it's bad luck with what happened, you know, Karakazula breaking down in front of him, I would class him as lucky. Because that's the that was the exact... We almost had a carbon cough that happened with Foggy in 2000. So I class Oli as quite lucky in that situation. That he managed to go on the grass, then go sideways, flying into the wall. So, uh, but yeah, you know, top top ten finish in race two, good good start. I think Karakusulu underperformed because I, you know, I said I'd expect him to be fighting for the win because all of last the end of last season, he, every single race he was fighting for the, the win until the last lap where he'd probably make some form of mistake. But it just seems like Altea and himself haven't made that step they've needed to. To like Belega hats, but uh, well, well, you know, I think the the Ducatis, um, the 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 satellite Ducatis have started slow, but uh, they'll catch up as the season goes on. Yeah, a uh, another rider who's uh didn't start slow in my eyes was uh Marcel Scrotta made his way over to the MV Augusta Augusta squad from the Moto Two paddock where he's with uh the Dynavolt Liquid Molly team, and uh, it was a good start for Scrotter. He was really under the radar for most of the weekend, but now he sits third in the championship, eight points behind Manzi with a uh, a seventh and a fourth place just outside of the podium in race two. Dawn, what did you make of uh, Marcel's debut yes, weekend? like you said, very good. He has gone under the radar and the fact that he's third after, you know, round one, should be really proud of himself because it must have been so much different coming from one championship to another, but he's just done everything that he needed to. I look forward to seeing what he can do. Yeah, the, uh, the MV obviously isn't as competitive as the Ducati, Yamaha yeah. and Kawasaki historically, but maybe in the hands of Scrotter, he could turn it into definitely a machine that could finish on the podium at some point yeah, in the season. definitely. Maybe even challenge for a race, a race win if uh, Bulaga slips up somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, any other riders in your guys' eyes that in Supersport stood out or underperformed? Yeah, well, I guess go back to Shot and MV. Mm-hmm. Um, MV Gusta did win at Mandalika last season in the hands of Nicky Tooley. So 
you never know with the data they've got. Marcel, you know, we know Marcel got was so many times he, he could have won a, a Moto 2 race and for whatever reason it never came, but maybe this could be his chance. But we'll say Nicky Tooley, he was the one I'd say didn't perform. I never noticed him at any session. And whether that's just because it's a triumph and he's not got used to the chassis or whatever, but I just never noticed him at any point. Tooley uh, in the wet was, was decent with a fourth place, yeah. but then in the dry, like you said, he wasn't really noticed, but he was in the pack with Bayless, uh, De Rosa and Navarro down in ninth place. So yeah, the triumph ha- looked good in the, the wet conditions, maximised what they could there, but then in the dry, they struggled. Dawn, anyone else in Supersport for you that uh, could have done better or exceeded what you thought they'd do? Uh, I think like Nicholas Spinelli, who took second in race one, he had a good battle with John McPhee. Um, so he might be one to look out for, especially if we have any wet rounds again, we be in the mix. So they actually, where did he finish in race two? He retired whilst in the podium places. Did he mm. say, so, yeah? So if he was in, yeah, definitely. I think he could be one to watch. Yeah, he, uh, he's come from the Italian Supersport Championship. Yeah. So uh, there is definitely a lot of potential with Spinelli and with time and uh, learning the tracks. He could uh, he could definitely be one to watch, especially at the uh, the track that has since been added to the calendar since last weekend was uh, Imola is now back for uh, for World Superbikes. I'm assuming that Supersport will be going there as well for round seven. Jack, what did you think seeing Imola returning to the calendar? Well, I think one man will be happy is Jonathan Rafe because uh, he was. If you discount Chaz Davis, he's been the fast, he's been the strongest guy at that circuit for when when they went there. So as he jumps on the Kawasaki, I'm just fearing that some new bumps may have appeared since 2019 with Formula One being there for the past three seasons. But we'll have to see. But I think it's a welcome return. It'll be interesting to see how Bautista gets on because when he was. When he was there, he managed a second and a third thanks to Chaz's, Chaz Davies retiring in the first race. But we'll just see if uh, see if Bautista can, um, how much of a step he'll make at that circuit um, after being away for four years. And that could be a t- telltale sign of where Bautista, that, well, we already know Bautista was strong. We saw it Master was like, oh, where's Bautista going to be at Master? And he went and won the first race. So. I think it'll be an interesting one just to see um, how the rookies, because there'll be quite a lot of people on the grid who have never raced at a Miller before. So it's a welcome one. It'd be be a tight track, always is a tight track, but I'm happy it's back. Yeah, Dawn, are you of similar opinion of it's good to see Emila returning back to the, the World Superbike calendar? Yes, definitely. It's like a sort of an old school World Superbike track as well. And like Jack says, it'll be interesting to see what the rookies can do. There would not be in there, but yeah, I like Emily. Yeah, reminds me of the foggy in the Hodgson days. Yeah, the uh, the Bayless Edwards uh, yeah. scrap back there in two thousand two. Yeah. So uh, we'll be hoping for more of that from uh, Emily as it makes a a welcome and what I believe was a surprise return. I didn't think it would be Emily that came back to the calendar. I knew they had a track that was to be announced, but I always thought it would be Qatar or something like that that they bring in. But uh, I'm glad to see it's Emily. But obviously next weekend, Indonesia. Top Rack did the triple there last year. Jack, can he do the triple again? I believe he can. The problem is, I don't... Because what 
Bautista should not be winning there due to the fact that the straight isn't that long and his stature shouldn't allow him to, to deal with a really fast change of direction. But in race two last season, in the in the race where he could have won the championship, he took the he took the lead, and had he not had the championship on his mind, he he could have very easily ran away with it. And with the track conditions being very hot and melt and easily melt the tires, and seeing Valtteri's performance at Philip Island is making me think that he could just be another dominant performance by Bautista. Mm-hmm. but also it could be wet. But then again, Bautista was really strong on the West End in Philip <laughs> Island, so uh, it's hard not to choose Bautista, but I think Toprak Toff- and Ray, you've got, you, you've got to think they'll be there. Locatelli was really strong there last season as well, so it's it's it's, uh, it's, it's really hard. This one's harder to predict to say than Philip Island because it's, there's so much unknown when you go to Mandalika. Dawn, you've already gone all in and said it would be the Ducatis once again taking a, a clean sweep at Mandalika. So uh, I guess the question for you would be, who's going to be uh, fighting for second at, at Mandalika then? Um, top rack, I think. I think he will gather his, his thoughts together ready for round two. And I think he'll be chasing Alvaro. Yeah. Another rider that I think I'll be keeping an eye on this weekend will be Locatelli, with last year getting a third place in the sprint race. And uh, I think he had a, another decent weekend at Mandalika last year. And now he's had, like we said earlier, what he believes is his best World Superbike weekend ever. So uh, I think he's definitely high in confidence now. The bike's mm-hmm. working underneath yeah. him. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Locatelli on the the podium once or twice this weekend so I'll be uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing him uh Jack your uh your your predictions for for supersport we'll leave superbike for a minute with with supersport who do you think could be up there cuz last weekend you gave me uh four riders that you thought could uh, yeah. could win the supersport and race three of them were on the podium <laughs> so <laughs> they were they were the only one retired due to a uh, mechanical so yep I think it would be just the same three, um, Bulliger, Manzi, and Monchu. I just, I just don't know which order it will be. You know, I'll, I'll, could he nearly won there? And a fourth, and I feel like if uh, Safoglu and Toprak can get his head fixed, I'll sit my neck out and go Onchu win his first race. Um, and that's what I'm hoping for. I'll hope that, see if Chan can finally get that win. But I won't be at all surprised if, um, Nicola will Manzi win the race, but it's a hard one. But I'd, I'd, I'll be pulling for Onchu just to get his first win because he, he deserves it. He's been there for a while, and he's, you can see the progression he's made since first joining the championship. It is a hard one, yeah, with uh, with the super sport especially because there's so many riders that could be up there and fighting for for results. But I think I'm gonna go Manzi. I think it is is the one that I'm looking at. Maybe Scrotter on the podium for sure with with mm-hmm. MV. But I think Manzi he was there last year actually, wasn't he? With uh, can't remember what team he would have been with, but I think he was Dynable Triumph. Ah, he got a a podium, didn't he, on the the, the Triumph last yeah. year? Yeah, yeah. On on two should have could have won against Tuli, but he kept making mistakes. He kept cause he, he was like you go off the because the problem with Bandalika is that the racing line is so thin. So, if you go off the racing line, you're on dust basically, and you have to keep going straight on, and that's what costs him a chance of victory. I think that's it probably the same again, unless it rains. So, I'll have to just wait and see. 
well, if it rains, it will definitely bring some excitement with uh, what we saw with MotoGP there last year, where they had uh, some good scenes before the uh, <laughs> MotoGP race there last year. But yeah, Manzi on the Triumph podium last year. Yeah, Manzi's my prediction for for the win there. And uh, Superbikes, Dawn, you've gone Bautista, top rack for, for behind him. Jack, who, who are you going for the, for the race wins for Indonesia? Dry... I'll go Bautista. I think he'll do enough. I think he'll be. I think Top Rock will lead the early stages, and then I think as the tyre wears off, Bautista will just make his move. If it's wet, I don't know because <laughs> I don't think it'll be Top Rock. It'll be Ray or Bautista again. It all depends on the tyres. If the tyres stay well, and if Ray doesn't have any problems, or if Bautista just turns it on again like he did last time. Because naturally, change the direction will be a lot easier for him because he won't have to lean so far, and it'll be going slower anyway. I'll go. I'll go with if it's wet. I'll go with John, and I'll, I'll do the same as last week. If it's dry, it's Bautista. If it's wet, it's Ray. I'm I'm, uh, I'm seeing a pattern here with your uh, <laughs> with your predictions coming through. Uh, oh, it's hard to disagree with you again this week with Bautista as well, showing how strong he was at Phillip Island. I'm going to stick my neck out for top rack. I think he's again, I, like I said last week, I think he's going to he's going to get a victory at least uh, this weekend at, at Mandalika. He's been strong there in the past, and then I think Bautista's going to win the other two. Which two? Not a clue. Maybe it could be in the sprint. It could be both the long races. But I think we'll see Bautista on top step twice and top rack once and. I really think Bautista is just going to clear out in the, the championship after the first two rounds and it's going to be up to the others to, to stop him. Jack, do you think we could see Bautista marching away with it before we've even got to, say, round four of the championship? Um, we could. I mean, I had a quick check and the gap he's got is already is already bigger than he left with, I think it was in, it was in Most. So that's sort of the standard we're in right now or it was just like it's just a little bit smaller it was at Magna Cause so it's if he wins all three races and Bauti and uh, Toprak and Ray have again have a struggle you're looking at 60 something points after two races so I don't think it could be that big if Bautista wins all the races but if, he, if he's come to Europe and he's 50 points in front of them and Toprak and Ray last season when they got to Europe couldn't make any inroads. It's sort of a big worry. You're sort of having to pray that some problems occur. But you know, twenty nineteen proving you know you could have a six to one point gap and then end up losing by over a hundred. So, but well, I don't think I don't think we can use twenty nineteen anymore as an example. But you can't um, count anybody out at this stage. You've got to keep an open mind. Dawn, do you think it is too early to almost think that Bautista will 100% be the champion come the end of the year? Yes, I do think it is because, like you say, luck sometimes comes into it if he has a round with a mechanical and also he sort of is racing against himself. We can't help but go back to 2019, what happened there. But it it is too early to say. But if he does dominate round two and round three, that's when... They should start worrying then, definitely. Yeah, I think uh, 
Bautista will potentially uh, he'll definitely assert his dominance at Mandalika if he goes and does the triple again and uh, then Kawasaki and Yamaha will have to go back to the drawing board I think my last uh, my last question for both of you will be BMW will they have fixed anything towards Mandalika will their bike suit the track at all Jack I can see you shaking your head no. you, Dawn? I, I can't <laughs> My, um, if it's wet, Michael Vandermark, yes, he can do something, I'm convinced. If it's dry, I can't. I'm mean, going to think they're going to have to wait to, to go back to Assen and pray to get some kind of new part that can do something because I can't. I honestly can't see it happening unless they get really fortunate. But I think their only hope is Michael Vandermark and the wet, really. Unless, uh, you know, one, one of the three others can. Um, find some miracle of a setup or something. Dawn, I, uh, I imagine you're agreeing with Jack there about BMW's chances at Mandalika. Yes, definitely. It's just with Michael Vandermark, really. They showed a few flashes of brilliance, but like I say, just seemed to go backwards. Definitely not the opening round that they wanted, so I can't see much changing between round one and round two, unfortunately. Well, there you go. Bautista's gonna gonna win it all again, then. <laughs> so will Bouliga from uh, from what we think. Uh, we'll, you'll have to join us next week to see if uh, see if that has happened or whether we've got it completely wrong for a uh, for the first time since we're doing this podcast. I think it's a good place to call time on this episode. Dawn and Jack, thank you both for joining me again, and join us next week to hear how Mandalika went for all the riders and teams. Bye. Bye.